Hello and welcome to How Do You Do, a podcast with me, Hattie. And me, Flo. Where we talk to people from across the creative industry about how they do what they do. And as pretty fresh to the industry ourselves, we know the struggles. So we want to bring you stories from inspiring people from across the industries about how they got to where they are today. Flo, how did you get into TV? I was going to say I had a weird route in, but I think lots of people have a weird route in. So I came out of university, didn't know what I wanted to do, went off traveling for a while, found that a job that you can do pretty much anywhere is teach. Did some teaching, came back to London, ended up working in PRUs, which are pupil referral units. It's a school for children who've been expelled. So I worked in there for a while. And though I liked it a lot, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that it wasn't the job I wanted. So I quit. And uh, when I was 25... I started in TV, so I started as a runner, so I was kind of the oldest runner, and now work in non-scripted TV, so that's anything from documentaries to reality shows and game shows, anything without a script. How did you get started in TV, Hattie? I had a probably very unconventional route into TV where I studied art history at university and wanted to get into the art world, found it was really hard to get into the art world. So I wanted to do fundraising. So I got a commercial job at Fremantle, the production company I'm still at, and worked doing product placement things on Britain's Got Talent with Talk Talk and The X Factor and things like that. And then realized that reality shows maybe weren't my bag, love drama, and got a job for a digital producer who mainly worked on drama shows like My Brilliant Friend and American Gods. And I'm here today. And here we are. And here we are. <laughs> but I've had some weird jobs before that. Go like, on, what's your weirdest? I worked for the Marks and Spencer's call centre helping turkeys get delivered for Christmas. But I was awful <laughs> at it, so no one got their turkeys. <laughs> so you ruined Christmas? I ruined Christmas. <laughs> like the Grinch. <laughs> yeah. A exactly. lot like the Grinch. I went, again, when I was travelling, had some very strange jobs, and I worked as a mascot for a children's play center where I had to dress up in a full mascot monkey costume and dance for the children. So the I was literally chicken. a dancing monkey for children. <laughs> oh, and often it was quite a scary costume, so they'd often cry. So again, I was ruining children's time, <laughs> much like you. <laughs> so we've all been there and we realize the struggles that it takes to get into something that you're interested and that you want to do. And we kind of wish there'd been someone there to say what to do and what to look out for. So this is kind of why we're making this, I guess. Yeah, and it's to show that no one's had an easy route in. It's hard for everyone. And Flo and I have had kind of similar struggles along the way, I suppose, just to get to a job that we like. And we're going to be bringing all of our experience or lack thereof to this podcast (laughs) to try and understand more about what these different careers are. We'll be talking to people from across four of the biggest creative companies in the UK. The publishers, Penguin Random House and DK Books, the music company BMG and the production company Fremantle. So our first episode, we're going to be interviewing the wonderful Tim Fairclough, who is a researcher at The Apprentice. Tim has had a really interesting route into TV and we're really excited to chat to him. Yeah, so I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, girls. How are you? Yeah, oh, good. How are like you? I'm like a boy band member. <laughs> Hello. How are you? 
Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so we're going to start with, how do you do? How do I do what? How do you do what you do? Oh, hey. <laughs> but was that meant to be a joke? <laughs> <laughs> like, crap! What haven't I read? <laughs> that was meant to. <laughs> it's like we're accusing you. Yeah. What do um, you do? But how do you do what you do? Um, some days I wonder uh, <laughs> how I do what I do with minimal sleep, um, not a lot of time to prepare, and uh, very small budgets probably. <laughs> so, Tim, what is your title? I am a researcher for Farmers Productions. So I'm currently working on The Apprentice, Series 15. What's your normal day look like? So it, it varies really. This year we'll be researching on tasks. So mostly like setting up the tasks. So you can be researching locations, you can be uh, researching experts, you can be buying a shed load of props and costumes that some people never wear, which is quite disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, please wear the pig costume and then no one ever does. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's very varied really. And then you're setting up the shoots and then you're going on them. So then when you're out and about, you are logging what you're doing, where your team's going, you're sending it back to head office and uh, basically keeping people up to date with the story and trying to follow how your team is doing, if they've missed anything, et cetera. Just so team back at the office have like a, an overview of what everyone's up to. And it's basically firefighting constantly. Oh, amazing. So what's it like to work on The Apprentice? Because I love The Apprentice. It's like my favourite show on TV. I'm obsessed with it. I think notoriously in TV, it's known as a really hard show because you, the hours are long. There's a lot to fit into a few weeks. But actually, having had that as one of my first shows that I'd done, actually it set me the grounding that actually when I do some other jobs, I'm like, oh, it's not as intense as The Apprentice, <laughs> but then... It's quite weird to go a bit slower. This is the third time I've done it, so I must quite like it. And what have you been doing today in terms of what your day jobs are? A lot of things at the moment is trying to source various locations for things. So if you think you in an episode you've got to go and visit certain places and do certain things and um, have certain services provided to you, then you have to try and source those services, find out if they're happy to be on camera, find out if they're happy to work with us, find out if they are able to do things for a lesser budget because in TV everyone thinks you have so much money and everyone goes oh TV's got the world and you're like it's rarely the case I've never worked on a show really that has had a big budget so doing all like the granular things and also that with business and the show that we do you've got to become an expert at business so then you're having to become the person that goes okay no so that should work because I've spoken to that person and that should fit in so you have to be a master into the thing. <laughs> so after working on The Apprentice, you can probably apply to be mm. a candidate on The Apprentice. I don't know if I'm so far into it that I would be like, if I was in it, I was thinking, I'd be trying to think, how should I act as a candidate for The Apprentice? I think that's one of the things you need to think of is act naturally how you would do in everyday life. Don't overthink it because you've only got like two or three days to do something. So try and use your business brain as why you're here rather than what you think you should be doing. <laughs> To take us a little bit back before we get into, you know, what you've done in the TV world. Mm -hmm. um, you've had quite a unique path into TV. Like lots of people who've come to TV, yeah. you were doing something different before. Can you tell us briefly what you were doing before you got into TV? I'm from um, sunny Blackpool. Started working in the NHS and worked my way up in like hospital management. I was doing a bit of HR and then I moved into like management of doctors. So when I moved to London, I joined a hospital in West London. And basically, after a couple of years of managing the doctors, so as like a northern, young northern, 25-year-old trying <laughs> to deal with a lot of doctors who have a lot of private practice and who are quite well-established. Some people like deal with royalty and 
a lot of celebrities. And then I was going, no, if you don't fill in this form, then you can no longer appear as a doctor. And then I moved into the management of sexual health and dermatology for about two years. What was the moment where you stopped working in sexual health and thought, right, I'm going to go do this, pursue a career in television? Um, well, I've always been interested in TV. I've always wanted to work in it. But being from someone from Blackpool, if you say to people around you, oh, I'd like to work in TV, it seemed to be a bit like, oh, well, everyone would love to do that job, but no, it needs to be a proper job. Um, so I've always wanted to do it. And then working in NHS, it was such a rewarding job. Like I loved it, but it just became every week there was always an issue or you thought sort of the bed situation for that day. And then the next day it would start again or you'd do an investigation that would just roll on and on and on and on. So I remember I was on holiday in uh, Montenegro and I was like swimming in the sea just going, okay, so I wonder if that person's come in. If, if Mrs. Uh, Day has come in, then that's fine. But if she's not been in, that means that we need to get her in before. Oh. Like, and I was like, oh God, this is not a holiday. This is like driving me crazy. So one of my mates from up north's brother was an exec at ITV. So he, I was on the side doing, he was like, oh, I work in TV. And I was like, oh, I've always wanted to work in TV, but I've just never got around to it. Like, how, how is it to get into it? And he said, well, it's a hard industry to crack, but he was like, what you just need is some experience. But I was like, well, I work full time and stuff. He's like, well, the only way to do it is like, just do day running while you do it. See if you like it, because it's pointless going into something that you don't like. So then he was like, I might have some contact. So he put me in contact with someone that did BGT. So I did, I was working like five days a week during the week and then doing BGT at the weekends and then doing five days a week again. And then I did a bit of The Voice Kids and things like that. And then I was like, no, I like doing this. So I handed my notice in at the NHS and it was about three, I had a three month notice period. And obviously for those that don't know TV, it can happen like it's so last minute getting jobs. I could go for a job interview now and then start tomorrow or even go for one in the morning and start in the afternoon type of thing. Whereas... NHS, three-month notice period, so it takes forever. And I was trying to find a job, and obviously I only had limited experience. So then it got closer and closer and closer to Christmas. And I was like, oh, what job are you going to do? And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Uh, and then luckily, again, someone that worked at the hospital sat next to someone at a dinner party and was like, one of my employees is leaving to TV. Would you have a chat with him about ways to get into the industry? So I had a chat with her on the phone, and she was like, oh, I might actually know someone that needs someone. And then luckily... I got that. And so I finished my NHS just before Christmas. And then in the January, I started for like, initially it was only meant to be for like two weeks. And then they extended me for like three weeks and then extended me for like seven weeks and then got on The Apprentice. So it was a hard journey, but I was lucky that I took the plunge. For sure. It's kind of like the laws of attraction, really, isn't it? I think lots mm. of people say like, oh, you know, it all depends on if you know someone. But I think if you're putting yourself out there and saying like, I think I want to try TV. Someone's going to be like, oh, my brother does that or yeah. my friend does that. And then they're going to link you where I think if you don't say it and you just think that everyone knows everyone and that's how they're getting it, then... And it's completely, it's 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 a difficult one because a lot of people go, have you joined the group? So there's these Facebook forum groups, which are amazing because they that's where a lot of the jobs get put on there. And what are those Facebook groups called? Oh, oh I know them. Go on. People who know people who work in TV. Shout out people who know people who work in TV. I got my last job off it. Um, people who know people who work in film. Um, and, oh, there's a third really good one. There's like a runner's initial one, which is yeah. like people who know people, semicolon runners. <laughs> uh, and then they do the people who know people, like the main one. And that was so useful in a sense because you there's like a forum. So you know there's somewhere to go for jobs. But then also it can be disheartening when you sit there and someone puts a job and a hundred people tag someone or whatever. And, mm. and, and it's like, gone by the afternoon. It's always gone by the afternoon. Mm. But Say you've been at work and you've not had time and, and you say they put it up four hours ago and they're already like, oh, position closed. 
But then it's good to see what jobs are out there. And, and often people ask really useful questions and people are actually really helpful on those that uh, you can put your CV up there and they can give you pointers and things like that, which is, is really useful. It's also nice to see what other people put on there, mm. especially as someone that's uh, previously worked outside of TV and has been in TV and you're writing a CV that doesn't really have any TV on it. Mm. So then I had a wealth of experience, but I was like, none of it's really relevant. You feel when you're going into like an entry-level position as a runner. But as long as you can prove that your skills are transferable, and a lot of people's skills are, mm. it's just worth talking to someone and seeing if they can help you. That's a really good tip because when I was applying for jobs, because I used to work in the arts and I wanted to work in fundraising at one point. So what I was doing to write a CV for a job, I had no idea what the job actually entailed. You look up job descriptions for other jobs and then just try and adapt yeah. what you see online to what you're writing in your CV or your cover letter. And I've actually always found the hardest thing is getting in a room with someone. But once you're in the room, people actually love that you have other experience. So like a bit like mm. you, I used to be a teacher and uh, it wasn't for me. So I changed and I got into TV. And yeah, and then when I'm in an interview, I always leave it off my CV. But when it comes up in conversation, people are like, oh, that's really interesting. Mm. Like, oh, you could use some of that in this show or we can do. Yeah. And it does always come in useful. So I think it's better to not hide it and just be quite honest. And mm. it explains who you are. Because I remember yeah. I took it off and then someone goes, I don't get who you are like there's a big gap missing and you're like well I thought I'd take it off because it wasn't really relevant and they were like well it is relevant because it explains where you are now and I think as well like because I joined TV at the age of 27 it helps go you've, you've not just not done anything for seven years you've not just like wasted your life you've actually learnt skills and then decided it wasn't for you really and did you have any preconceptions about TV before you got in? Did you think it was going to be a certain way and then it wasn't? You do have the aspect of glamour. You're like, oh God, the glamour of TV. Like, it must be so nice. And you realise it's not. It's long hours. You get a car, pick you up at three, and then you get a car that drops you off at 10 at night. Like, there are times where it's ridiculously long days. Especially with the fact that TV's changed so dramatically recently that there's so many channels, there's so many forums that it's not just TV anymore. People watch it on the internet. People do like podcasts and short films that actually fill the similar void as TV. So that means that there's less money being pumped into general channels, which means there's less money to make TV, which makes your job harder in a way. But it's had the similar fun element to it. Mm. Like, I think the people are amazing that you work with. And I think that's the nice thing. I think a lot of people come to work for the stories that they tell and the people that they work with. And I think if you weren't telling stories you believed in and working with people that you didn't like, then it would be a lot harder. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Did you guys, is it the same as you guys that you think TV would be like? Well, I, I don't work in production as much. I've got a slightly more office -y job. But yeah, I definitely had the preconception, even just telling people when I first mm. got my job in TV, oh, I've got a job at Fremantle. People were like, wow, you're going to meet Simon Cowell. Yeah. For a really long time, like? people asked me, how's Simon Cowell for two years. Yeah. I was like, I haven't met Simon Cowell. My mum asked me almost every day, have I met Louis Theroux? It's very specific. <laughs> and no, I have not met Louis Theroux. <laughs> to anyone listening, no, I have not. Um, but yeah, it's not as glamorous. But it doesn't mean that your output of what you're working on is not as satisfying. Mm. So, you know, emptying the bins, making cups of tea, whatever it may be, the final product of emptying that mm. bin is that there's a really cool show. Yeah. Mm. And that's great. And it makes you watch TV differently now. And I sometimes watch things and go, that's really impressive because to get access to that place, 
the people that want to work behind the scenes to be able to get access to that prison or that hospital or mm. or that amazing building to film in, that mustn't have been easy. And I think it gives you more of an appreciation. And I think I probably bore people and I'm ruining TV for people in the sense of I go, you enjoying that, but they must have really have had to do that and like, just watch it. <laughs> So going back, what was your first job in TV? Was it running for Britain's Got Talent? Yes, and it was working on the queue. What's the queue? Oh, so it's so it's the queue outside Britain's Got Talent. So you know when you see the oh, literally on literally the queue. Literally on the queue. Oh wow! I thought you meant the auto queue. <laughs> no, I thought it was a show. I didn't know. <laughs> you know the queue section. <laughs> it literally is basically the bit on Britain's Got Talent where you see them all queuing up and all waving and be like, "Wow, excitement!" So I was on the queue with a clipboard. But if you give anyone a clipboard and a Britain's Got Talent T-shirt, everyone thinks you're. Really, uh, everyone was lovely to me because everyone thinks that you're in the man in the know. So again, like, it wasn't the most glamorous of things, mm-hmm. but you felt like you were part of something, even though it was a tiny little bit. Like, often in TV, you can spend hours doing 10 seconds of television. But do you know what? Still a part of it. You still have to have that bit, like establishing shots. So where you're going around and you're going, okay, start of a new day. What does the new, start of a new day look like? And it is literally people turning up, people checking in. That's what things that take forever. And you think, oh, this schedule doesn't look too bad. And like, You've got to do arrivals and exits. Every building you enter, you've got to show entering. Every time you leave, you've got to leave. So so stuff like that takes a tiny bit of TV, but actually is completely necessary. But I, I found with running that because you work these really long hours, you actually make these really lovely friendships mm. and communities and stuff because you're kind of in it together. It's a bit like yeah. you know, when you're there till midnight or there till 3 a.m., it's like you're kind of with these people for so long that you actually make, build some really nice friendships. So I think it's well, like, it's hard the hours are long. You, you're constantly worrying if you're doing the right thing when you start a new job and things like that. And you're like, oh God, does, does that person not like me? Oh God, they didn't look happy. But then you don't realise that they're probably being, they've got something else. Mm. The people above them are saying, what's going on with this timing? Things like that. So I think someone told me a great bit of advice that goes, if you snapped at someone or someone snapped at you, just give it half an hour and then go back and say, are you all right? And it might be that they go, I'm really sorry for snapping at you. I really didn't mean to. Or, Vice versa, you go, I'm really sorry about before. As long as you know it's not you. And if it is you, they can give you a bit of feedback. As long as you know that they don't Calm hate you. Calm feedback. Yeah. We're a compliment sandwich. Really <laughs> I really like what you're doing there. Just don't do that again. But you are doing a really great job. And your hair looks nice today. Yeah. <laughs> that never happens in TV. No, your hair never looks nice. You always look in the mirror. You're around these beautifully coiffed people and then you're like, you've got like food in your hair and something down your front I'll let you know if you have food in your hair but the camaraderie is good like the people when I first did The Apprentice we were all like a group of 10 runners and we were all in a WhatsApp group when we were on the show and then we still all talk now we still all meet up now and it's really interesting to see where people are in their careers and like you're like, oh god you've gone off to do that oh you've gone off to do that and like different segues that people have done and occasionally you do a job and you'll reunite with someone mm. and, you're like, oh, my. and you're excited to spend like six weeks with someone oh, like, oh great and taking us back a bit again, and your, your story about quitting, a, you know, quite a career, really, mm. to start again, is a huge risk to take and, like, quite a brave thing to do. And I was reading this article before I came here, which was about, in today's current economic climate, young people are expected to change career five times, which is something I never would have thought. What was your biggest fear about starting again? It's the fact of the unknown. And I'd moved to London and got a quite... By the time I'd left the NHS, I was quite well paid. So that was a big thing is that I was like, crap, I'm leaving quite a well-paid job um, that was like a career because mm. there was progression and you'd be like, the next level was X amount of money. Um, so leaving that to do a job where I basically could just get one day's work. 
And I was like, that would be amazing if I got a job that just paid me for one day. So that was really nerve wracking. And then my parents were a bit like, oh, why would you do that? Why would you leave a job that's so stable to do something that basically you can get a contract for one day, you can get a contract for six weeks, but it's still in the end of it. You're not really permanently employed anywhere. And I was like, but you've got to take a risk. Mm. I joined like events agencies and things like that just to know that temp agencies just know that if I couldn't pay the bills, then I could supplement my life somewhere. And would you give any advice to someone kind of any age who wants to change careers and is too nervous about like making that jump? Um, I'd just say do it because I'd, I'd, I just look back to being that person at a dinner party that would constantly moan about their job and you think, what's mm-hmm. the point of doing something you don't enjoy? Also, don't look at what other people are doing. So I would, especially from being up north, people, as soon as you get out of university, it's like a, a race and people go, go. And it's like, how far have they got? And you speak to mates from uni, like, oh, I've just on that graduate job. Oh, I'm earning this amount of money. Oh God, well, I've just bought this house. I've just bought this car. And, and it's easy to get bogged down in being bothered about what people are doing to the side of you but actually we're going to be working till we're basically 80 mm. so do I want to do this job for the next 50 years and I think like some of my friends were like racing to be at the top and I'm like why do you want to be at the top at the age of 27 28 because it's a long time mm. to then be like great you've hit the top of that but what's next really that's so true yeah. and this is it's such an interesting industry to work in is that you can go in so many different directions mm. like you start off as a, a runner and you, there's so many different alleys you can go up, whether it be editorial, so it'd be like um, producing the content and the, the ideas and following the stories, or it can be production who do an amazing job of logistics and monies and budgets and timings and things like that. So there's those two options. But then in between that, there's so many different areas you can go into. You can do like fix rig. So fix rig will be like Love Islanders where mm. you sit in a gallery and then you zoom in and out. Or you can do location-based things where you're out and about running around filming on the streets or you can do um, like studio-based stuff which is just solely based in studios. So within that, there's so many different options and then there's so many different genres of things to do. So there is endless possibilities for me to do for the next 40 years if I wanted to. I listened to a great How to Fail the other day, this podcast uh, where Elizabeth Day talks about how failure makes people stronger. And there was a lady who had done really well in her music career at the age of like 27. Mm. But when you hit that success, like you said, at 27, then what? If you've had all those experiences already, it's probably quite a weird headspace to be in. So, and I'm not saying that's the wrong way of doing it. It's just, it's another way of doing it. Imagining a graph, you can go up and down, up and Mm. down. And that's a problem sometimes with jobs where you've got obvious career progression, but you're like, oh God, well, the next step should really be to do that. But do you actually want to do that? Are you only doing it because it's the next step? Mm. I've got an analogy. When I was learning how to play tennis, there's a, <laughs> there's a grip you use for your serve. Yeah. And the, normally when you serve, you use your forehand grip, which everyone uses. But there's like a special grip, which is actually, you kind of have to twist your hand a bit round to the left. And if you do do this grip, your serve will be amazing. But the first few months that you're using this grip your serve gets worse and I think as an analogy that's quite nice yeah. because you sometimes your serve has to get worse before it gets better and if that means changing jobs yeah even if it's like a you might not be getting as much money if you're happier in what you're doing mm. it's all worth it like I used to have a fear I used to it sounds really bad but like I'd get into work in the morning you'd sit down and be like oh god to open my emails to open my emails to open my emails and I'd be like one two three 
uh, and then be like, and I was like, no, you shouldn't be doing that because it's just having that dread is not good. Yeah, for sure. Something you said earlier as well, you were talking about comparing yourself and this is a big thing I've had today. So today, at my lunch break, I was sitting on my phone and I, like classically I was scrolling through Instagram and I was looking at like all the things that other people I know who work in TV have done and I was like, oh God, I should have done that. Why have mm. I not done that now? And then I was looking at a friend of mine who's just quit to go and make her own film and I thought, oh God, I should quit and make my own film even though I, in no way am I at the stage to do that. And I think that is the new thing, I think, with social media. Yeah. And I was just wondering if you'd had any experience of that and if you think social media is it like a help or a hindrance in this kind of career. It's so easily done because then you look at people and you're like, oh, I wish I got that job. And like, I wonder how they how they got that job. Like, mm-hmm. you can apply, and you still find it in TV that you you can apply for a job and not even hear anything back. And you're like, oh, God's sake, I wish I'd got that. But mm. then I just finally chat to someone and go, you worked on that show, how did it work? And they were like, oh, well, it's because I took this job and they really liked this part of my CV. But that job actually involves self-shooting. So actually, it's a TV program I wouldn't choose to work on. But I do get jealous of that. Some people are like, oh God, you've just about to go and do six weeks in Spain. Mm. I'm stuck planning for a shoot, so I'm stuck in the office for six weeks. But Instagram is bad for that anyway, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And everyone only shows the best bit of their Exactly, their that's life. the thing you have to remember. But also, I mean, I know lots of people who've just messaged someone on Instagram and been like, what are you working on? Mm. And then they've got jobs out of it. So I think it depends what way you're using it but I think it's the headspace you're at as well Mm. so if you're like looking for a job you're on it you think oh my god everyone's doing amazing but then if you're doing a great job and you upload a picture it's yeah yeah because I've known people who've gone that shoot was absolutely terrible especially when you look at abroad shoots and you're like I'm so jealous and then you're like no when you shoot abroad you realise oh god it's a nightmare and someone will put up a picture on Instagram of like oh I had an amazing shoot in X place and you're like it was an absolute nightmare (laughs) (laughs) so again like you can think things are better than they are and also, like I studied it. Do you read credits now and be like, oh, I wonder if I know anyone that's worked on that show? Yeah, and I read credits and I note things down as well. Mm. <laughs> note things down who's worked on what. Yeah, and you'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. They've got like six, seven researchers in that. I wouldn't have thought that. And then you'd be like, oh, maybe I will apply for that show because I didn't think the crew would be that big, but actually. That's a great bit of advice. If you want to get into TV, mm. watch the credits and see if you can reach out to anyone. Yeah. Everyone always knows everyone in TV somehow. And I think a lot of people in TV are, help each other out mm. which is good because everyone it's been in that same boat at some point and always like new people that start in the industry like if someone goes oh my brother or sister wants to get in the industry I'm always like yeah give them my number I can mm. always have a chat with them and I can always see if we've got day runners because there's so many programs at the moment like Britain's Got Talent and X Factor and things like that that just require like regional day runners that even if they do live in like Manchester or Leeds they might need someone for a day and you can like put them in touch with them my new thing that I'm doing at the moment is I'm just messaging people if I like their show because people just like mm. to he- they just like to hear compliments. So like mostly people don't reply, but they might be someone who's like written a show that I like or something. And then sometimes they do reply, and then you've got a little bit of rapport going. You just say I thought that was really great. Yeah. Not even mention work, and then yeah, it's my new thing I'm trying out. I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes. Have you had really replies? <laughs> I've had a couple of replies. Yeah. And have you dared to go any further with it? Well, this is when I was looking for a job. I have a job at the moment. But I'm, yeah, I might when, I, when I'm next available. Maybe I might. need to do that. I'm sliding into DMs, literally. I was about to say, <laughs> sliding into Phoebe Waller-Bridge's DMs. Literally. Hey, that Fleabag show was awesome. <laughs> you may be busy with James Bond at the moment, but uh, I admire you. I think you're you. really My name's Byron. 
<laughs> it might be like three years too late to slide into Phoebe's DMs. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone there. I'll <laughs> just send her a pair of DMs and make a joke about it. Very true. If you've got the money there to just send <laughs> yeah. people DMs. And by DMs, listeners, we mean Doc Martens. Or direct messages. <laughs> yes. We'll explain everything. Right, so traditionally speaking, our parents' generation and stuff, I don't know about you guys, but my parents kind of entered their career pretty much as soon as they left school and it's the career they've been yeah. in their whole lives. And I kind of feel like it's a bit of a generational divide. I don't know a lot of young people who are kind of sticking with it. I like lots of people are changing up their jobs or trying out different things. Do you think there's a big difference in how different generations see their career? 100%. My, my dad still can't get his head around the fact of me being contracted. And as soon as I said, I'm moving into TV, it's contract based. He's like, okay, great. So you accompany an employee and you're like, no, 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 no. I could work there for a day. I could work there for six weeks, six months. And he's like, but why would you do that? Why would you enter a job where you've got no stability? So it's definitely a generational thing that I think we take more risks. But I also think it's like a north-south divide as well. Like all my mates up north are getting married, have kids, have got a mortgage and things like that. Whereas they'd look at me down in London like, oh, he's got no sense of reality. <laughs> he just changes jobs every few weeks. He's still renting and he's still living with his mates at the age of 30. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I am. Mm. But, but who's happier? <laughs> <laughs> who's freer? But yeah, I think we are unlucky in certain ways, but I'm lucky that my parents acknowledge that they were lucky and don't really pass the expectation on to me to go, mm. why have you not bought a house yet? Why have you not got a stable career? And going back to The Apprentice, what was the best task you've ever organised? It all varies, really. We did one at Wembley a couple of years ago, and it was like amazing to be to have access to such a massive place. You're standing like, God, I'm lucky to be able to go into all the back, weird back rooms of Wembley and like go on the pitch of Wembley and like look down at the box. So yeah, I think I enjoy most of the tasks we do. And it is still a show that everyone talks to me about. And you can be at a dinner party and people go, you go, I work on The Apprentice and people go, Wow, well, can I ask you a lot of things you can't answer? But like most common one is, did they get ready in 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> and do they? They do have to get ready in 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I actually have a fangirl question about The Apprentice. Do you get them to all wear different colours? Or is that something they do by themselves? Um, no, the outfit choices are their own. But they, they all, they dress like the rainbow. Do you watch The Apprentice? <laughs> they dress like the rainbow. <laughs> it's amazing. It is. It's something I've always wondered. Yeah, it, it is amazing when you're out and about because you walk down the street and you're like, you look so apprentice right now. <laughs> you're going into the sliding cars and you've got everyone in business suits and things like that. So, Tim, you've had a unique journey into TV. What are your goals for the foreseeable future? Where do you see yourself next year? It always changes. At the moment, I quite want to do a bit more studio stuff just because I quite, I've done some of that in the past and quite enjoyed that bit. But then I could meet someone on that and think, oh no, I'd really quite like to do a show where you go abroad because then I'll do an element of that in a show. So it does change and you could have me on again in a year's time and I'd be like, oh, well, I've completely done nothing what I said I would do. So I'm quite in a unique area being a researcher because you're not really fixed to a constant genre at one moment in time. You can straddle and go and do a bit of factual and then try and do a bit of entertainment and then try and do a bit of comedy and still move quite freely. I think the higher you go up, it might become a bit more restricting of what area you go into. I think that's the same with a lot of jobs. Mm. You know, the further you go up in a company or in an industry, your kind of paths get slightly narrower. Yeah. Mm. 
But what would be your dream show to work on or company to work for? I'd love to see Graham Norton. Because again, that's one of those shows where I sit there and think about the technical bits behind the screen and go, that was such an amazing question that they asked to such an amazing guest that they must have done so much interesting research to be able to find out that weird website that has got like cats that look like Vin Diesel or find out like a weird skill that uh, a certain celebrity has got. And they're like, how the hell did you find out I could do that? And someone will have sat there painstakingly and researched that person. And I think that show does it the best. And would you ever combine your two careers? What, NHS and TV? Yeah. Yeah. There was a program on BBC Two called Hospital. I watched and I was like, that's the most real life to how it's actually like to work in the NHS. It was to do with the bed crisis. But it'd be interesting to be in the NHS with a TV head on, but then try and have an NHS head on at the same time. Yeah. Would you want to do it with TV? Would you ever combine what, uh, teaching? Uh, teaching and TV? I would quite like to make something with young people. Yeah, I, I think I would. But then, yeah, you do have those two heads. Don't mm. you? It's like, it's the good story, but is it so the welfare? Is yeah. It, yeah, and the F- and like, yeah, I think I'd probably see more of that. Yeah. But we'd be interested. Like when I worked in the NHS, I they did this thing called like the perfect day where you'd go and basically do someone else's job in, in the hospital and you'd go and you'd become like a porter for the day or you'd go and work uh, on the wards as a HCA, which is like a healthcare assistant. And they'd do, you'd wash people and you'd like clear up the poo or you'd take people to the toilets or you'd take their observations and stuff like that. Um, so from like a storytelling point of view, I'd quite like to do something like that. But though, when I did that, I did wash a, a dead person. So. Oh my God. And they said, they were like, do you mind doing this? Like, it doesn't, you don't have to do it. And I was like, no, I'm trying to live someone else's job. So I said, well, is this the job that the HA would do? And I'm like, yeah, they would wash the body. So I was like, that's completely fine. I'll do it. So, wow. so I think if I did TV in the hospital, I'd want to make people understand the different perspectives. Um, Sorry, I don't even know how we got from dead bodies. No, that, to, no, that uh... was not, I was just really interested, <laughs> interested in what these different people do. Uh, and finally, if you give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? It would be, you don't have to know what you want to do for years. Like I think there was a, a line in Baz Luhrmann's "Always West Sunscreen" song where it is like. At the age of 20, you don't have to know what you want to do. The most interesting 30-year-olds you know still don't know what they want to do in their life. So I mean, people get bogged down with, this is what I should be doing. Whereas like, is it what I actually want to be doing? Lovely advice. Thanks, Lovely Tim. Advice. And thank you, Tim. No, thank you for having me. I don't know if <laughs> half of this is probably wonderful. I apologise. <laughs> no, you've been great. This is perfect. Thank no, you well, so thank much. You. Thank you it's so much. Enjoyable. Good luck with The Apprentice. No, thank you. Oh, Tim, he's so lovely. He's the nicest guy. <laughs> he's literally the nicest guy we could have started with. And it sounds like it's a lot of fun working on The Apprentice. I know. I never thought about doing tasks, but tasks sound like the best job ever. Yeah. And I finally solved the mystery of why they all wear different colours. And I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't believe <laughs> the truth. You can work on some like YouTube conspiracy video about what you think of The Apprentice's <laughs> outfits. <laughs> so it's nice to hear someone who's changed careers in their mid to late 20s and be non-judgmental to themselves about it. Mm, yeah, for sure. I think it's something that I do all the time because I changed career when I was 24, so a bit different to Tim, I guess. But I'm still really harsh with myself about it and I still think that I'm like massively behind and mm. that's why when I was talking about comparing myself on social media, I think it's something I do a lot. And he sounds like he's quite healthy and he doesn't seem to do it that much because mm. he's the nicest man. <laughs> um <laughs> 
So yeah, I think our takings from this episode is try not to be judgmental on yourself if you're worried about changing careers at any stage of your life and just work really hard and be enthusiastic because I think that's that gets you places. And be nice to people and they will be nice to you back. And people always remember like a friendly runner. They don't remember the person who didn't take out the bins. So exactly. take out the bins, be friendly. And if you're asked to wash a dead body, <laughs> wash it. <laughs> There you go. We'll put that on a T-shirt. <laughs> Lovely. Thanks, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And we will be back in your ears next week. Bye. Bye. If you've liked the podcast, follow us at How Do You Do Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And like and subscribe. It's really important. If you've enjoyed it, give us a great review, a sterling review, a five stars. <laughs> Get us all the way up to the top of the charts. 